Today's reading is from the book of Luke, and there'll be two different parts, but both from chapter 9. The first one is from verse 23 to 25, and the second one is 57 to 62. Or does he talk about the cost of following Jesus? Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good it is for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self. And second part of that is 57 to 62. And as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have danced and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to the other man, Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus said, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit to the surface in the kingdom of God. work to take off this mask, especially when you have um, the microphone hooked up on your earlobe, and Jake can tell you more about that. I'm glad to, to stand before you this morning um, to speak to you on the subject matter as um, it reflects on the board. Today is... Um, the first day of the week, and incidentally, is the last week of the year. And so we are counting the last days in the year 2021. Uh, the year 2021 has been a very enterprising year, and uh, very well in our church family, we have been dealing with, we have been encouraging ourselves on uh, the subject matter, discipleship. And so this morning, our um, focus of discussion, sir, can I get this um, screen on, please? Thank you. Our focus of uh, discussion, it's um, as we have it on the board, uh, cost of uh, following Christ. It's important we talk about this. Um, you, you'll be amazed that... Um, um, 
a lot of, I'll say very, a good percentage of people, myself inclusive, at the point when we um, uh, accepted uh, to put on Christ by water of baptism, I probably did not um, understand the implication of what, what I was getting into. Uh, I, I, I had my own reasons for, want, for being baptized, why I wanted to be baptized. And a lot of people have their own reasons for why they want to be baptized. I, I will tell you, my dad is sitting in the audience, and he, he was a very firm person. Um, and uh, I will tell you, probably I will say something he's never heard from me say. I actually got baptized so that I could make him a happy man. And I can remember the smile on his face the day um, I went into the water of baptism. It was the smile of a proud father. But uh, it, 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 it was doing the right thing for the, for the, for the wrong reason. Um, for me, I, I wanted to be in his book, good books. I wanted to uh, make him happy, so I decided to be baptized. But thank God, as things went, God had his way. In the same way, don't be surprised, there are so many people who choose to be baptized because maybe, oh, my husband is in the church, so I want to be baptized because of my husband. Or um, my wife is in the church, I want to be baptized because of my wife. Or I want to be baptized because of a member of my family. But by the time we look at um, um, the subject matter today, we'll find out that um, um, those are wrong reasons uh, why we should be baptized. Uh, this morning, the cost of following Christ, uh, I, I, I know that um, we all get ourselves involved in one project or the other. Um, uh, we, we definitely try to count the cost of those projects. It's like what um, the, the, the book of Luke tells us. Which one of you want to build a tower and would not sit down to estimate the cost to see if you have enough money? To complete it. Otherwise, people people will laugh at you. In the same way, just name it. You want to go for a vacation? Um, you want to be the best student? You want to be the staff of the year? Just name it. There's a cost that comes with it. In the same way, um, our salvation costed our Almighty God something. It costed Him His only begotten Son. And it costed Jesus Christ um, uh, coming down to earth, and it costed him laying down his life on the cross, just as we heard this morning. Um, but that did not come easy. Um, uh, if, 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 it, if salvation was the thing of the world, I can tell you that probably you and I will not be in contention for that, because it would be so expensive for us to buy. Can you imagine how much it costs? To pay for a seat to go to space and back in 15, 20 minutes, over 250,000 US dollars, and so just to go to space for 15, 20 minutes and back, 250,000 US dollars. And so, if we, if we were to pay for salvation, do you think you and I would consider um, uh, um, that uh, project at all? I, I will not. I, I don't know where I'll, where I'll get the money from. But we have been given these words freely. The scripture says, freely you give and uh, freely we receive. And so, um, 
Having said that, that has been given freely, uh, there are expectations that we must meet as children of God before we can hear those coveted statements, welcome you faithful servant. And those expectations, we cannot rule them out. Um, they, 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 are some of, they are part of the cost that we must pay to follow Christ. It's not just, even though those expectations do not necessarily compare to the reward that we get at the end of time, it's like what the book of Ephesians tells us it is. Uh, excuse me, please. If it's not on. Yeah, what the book of Ephesians tells us, it says it's a gift by grace. It's a gift by grace. But having said so, am I trying to say that it's something that um, is just given to everybody just like that, the way we hand, hand the candies to kids when they are doing a trick-or-treat? Absolutely not. We still have our roles to play in uh, attaining this, um, uh, in attaining the uh, Salvation. In the book of um, well, you know what? I would, I, I will leave them to. Figure that out, and I will, I will come over to this place and then uh, use this uh, screen while you try to figure out what's going on over there. Like we're told, um, uh, uh, in, 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 if you want to go back to our text message, um, um, yeah, going back to our text message, uh, where we read from this morning, the book of Luke, chapter. 923 it is that then he said to them all whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves that was the first thing that was the first thing he, to- he talked to them about denying themselves and um, if you ask if you ask me I, I, i'll ask what exactly does it mean for us to deny ourselves when the Bible says deny yourselves, what exactly does it mean to deny ourselves? Denying ourselves of anything that creates a barrier to our total submission to Christ. Anything that creates a barrier to our total submission to Christ. In the book of Luke chapter 9 that we just read, it says that they were, they were walking along a road and the man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Uh, It's it's common for people to want to associate with success. And this man, having seen Jesus Christ and seen all that he's done, uh, he felt that it was a safe heaven for him to go to and things would work out just very easy for him. But look at Jesus' response to him. Foxes have holes, have dens, and birds have this, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head on. 
And it went on and on and on. The one who wanted to go say bye to his family. The one who wanted to go and bury his dead. And Jesus said, let the dead bury their dead. What exactly were we talking, are we talking about here? These folks probably did not understand what it meant to deny themselves. And when Jesus put it to them, what it means to deny yourself, they were not willing to put the affairs of Jesus above their own affairs. And so that's why we have all these excuses. Let me go and bury my dead. Let me go and bid my family um, uh, uh, goodbye. It is not different from what happens today in our lives as Christians. We do not put, sometimes we do not put Christ first in our day-to-day lives. We do not put Christ first in our family, in our, in our marriages. We do not put Christ first in our jobs. We do not put Christ first in our academic works. We do not put Christ first in our finances. We have different excuses to give. But can you imagine, what if Christ comes to us or comes to you face to face today, wanting to ask you if you are willing to give anything, everything that is of value to you so that you can follow him? How many of us will confidently say yes? What will our response be? Are we going to respond like these guys that we just read of in the book of Luke chapter 9? Or are we going to respond in the affirmative? I have a couple of questions I would um, really want to ask us. Are you willing to follow Christ if it means losing your worldly reputation? Are you willing to follow Christ if it means losing your friends? Because you insist the writings should be done all the time. Are you willing to follow Christ if it means losing your job or that career advancement you desperately need? Are you willing to follow Christ if it means alienating your family? Are you willing to follow Christ if it means losing your life? As a matter of fact, that is the ultimate thing. That's the highest thing you can give your life. And so these are questions that um, I want us to ponder about. But if for any reason, as we go through these questions, whether now or later on, some of our answers are not, we are not too sure, or some of our answers are no to any of these questions, then we need to have a second touch. I want us to look at the book of Luke chapter 14, verse 33, what it says. In the same way, thank you very much. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. It's tough to say, but everything means everything, including your life. Everything does not exclude. Everything means everything. Look at the way the book of Mark puts it. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. 
where the worms that eat them do not die, and the fire is not quenched. The same thing if your foot. And the same thing if your eyes pluck it out. What was, what is this passage trying to tell us? Is this saying we should physically cut our hands off? Or we should physically pluck our eyes out? Or we should physically cut our foot? That is not what he's saying. What he's telling us is, all those distractions that keep us from totally submitting ourselves to God or to Christ, let us take them out. We don't need them. They will deprive us from going, into hev- uh, going to heaven. They will not help us in our pursuit, in our Christian race. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, I repeat again, you have everything you have cannot be my disciples. And I want to emphasize that so that we have that at the back of our minds. In the, in the part B of um, our text this morning, it talks about denying, taking up our cross and following Christ. If you must be my disciples, you must deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. What does this mean? We already read this passage. I don't need to read it again. What does this really mean? It means we are now moving from making a statement to taking action. Making a statement, from moving from taking, making a statement to taking action. When Jesus asked his followers to each take up their cross daily and follow him, he meant they should be willing to die to their sins in order to follow him. We must be willing to die to our sins in order to follow him. It is not an easy call, but this is a call to absolutely, absolutely surrender to Jesus, no matter what it takes. To absolutely surrender to Jesus, no matter what it takes. In a world where we live, where everything about Christianity is kind of weird and abnormal. It makes Christianity difficult to practice. But you know what? When we become so liberalized and overtly sensitive to what people of the world think about our position in Christ, it makes it equally difficult for us to totally submit ourselves to God. When we begin to accommodate the excesses of the world, And it doesn't matter, it's just this. You know what? It does matter. Because these are strange practices to God. They are strange practices to the doctrine of Christ. No matter how small they are, no matter how how insignificant we think they are, it does not matter. Brethren, it does matter. Because these are the things that define us. And you know what? That's why... The scripture says we shouldn't be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And Paul himself said, even if I or an angel should bring another gospel, which is not another, let it be forever, let him be forever accursed. 
we have our positions as Christians, we have been made known in this world. We are the light of the world. We are meant to shine darkness and shine light in this dark world. We are meant to be the pace setters and not the other way around. And so instead of us, like we were told last week, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We should not allow the influence of the, the, the world to have an influence on us. But rather, we should have an influence over the world. We shouldn't allow the practices of the world to creep into the church. That is what it means. That is what it means to take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ. We should be grounded in the truth so that We should be grounded in the truth so that we can at every time defend our faith and give a reason why we profess the faith that we profess. We should not be half-baked. Like Ephraim in the book of Hosea. Ephraim mixes with the nation. Ephraim is a flat loaf, not turnover. Another, if you look at another Bible passage, another version, it says he's half-baked. We shouldn't be half-baked Christians. We should be grounded in the truth. And it's only when we are grounded in the truth that we can actually stand our ground and allow the word of God to penetrate deeply into us. We have been forewarned that following Jesus Christ will come with some difficulties. But it does not necessarily mean that when we follow Jesus Christ we must encounter difficulties. But it does mean that Whenever difficulties comes our way, we should be able to make a choice of following Christ over the things of the world. Whenever difficulty, we face difficulties, we should be able to make a choice of following Christ over the comfort of this life. And our commitment to Christ means taking up our cross daily and following him. That's why the book of Philippians tells us we must, we must work out our salvation with every fear and trembling. In, the, in our text message, in one of the text, mes- um, uh, texts that we read this morning, it says, No turning back. In the book of Luke, chapter 9. 62. And Jesus replied, Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service of God. No one who puts his hand on the plow and looks back is fit for the service of God. I, I hope you understand what the plow is. I have a picture of the plow that may help me to, to, um, Insert in the, in, the, in the lesson. And what are we saying? By this statement, Jesus was responding to any Christian who failed to count the cost of following him. That is a plow. It's a farming tool with blades, series of blades. 
used to break the edge. It is very heavy. You know, just the way these blades are used to break the edge to plant, that is how we as Christians are meant to break the hearts to sow seed into the souls of the people of, of the lost. No one can operate this plow without the help of an animal or a tractor. And for Jesus to have likened following him to putting his hand on the plow, he knows that we cannot do this on our own. He knows that we need some form of help, especially in a world that is so difficult. But in as much as he needs to give us help, we on our own part must be willing to go the long haul with Jesus. We must be willing to put our hands on the plow and remain, keep our hands remain on the plow and plow to the end. But you know what? Unfortunately, Sometimes we do lose focus. Sometimes we do lose focus when we put our hands on the plow. I do lose focus myself too. I'll be honest with you guys. But you know what? Like the prodigal son, we go back and ask for forgiveness. And we are forgiven. But can we continue to Look back over and over and over again. No wonder they ask the question in the scriptures. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. In the book of Luke, let's read what it tells us in Luke 12.40. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him to. So what does that mean to putting our hands on the plow and not looking back? If we're in the habit of putting our hands on the plow and looking back and losing focus and with the intention of coming back to beg for forgiveness again and again and again, then there will be a time, there might be a time when we will lose focus and it will be impossible to go back and put our hands on the plow. And that will be a sad day for us. And that will be a sad day for us. We talked about denying ourselves, taking up your cross, and following Christ, and no turning back. In conclusion, I repeat again, Jesus said, no one who puts his hands on the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The choice of following Christ is a choice that is individualized. It's a choice that I have to make. It's a choice that you have to make. The choice of following Christ is a choice of going the long haul with Christ. It's not a journey we want to stop halfway. We want to take it to the end. And the cost of following Christ is so minute compared to the glory that will be re revealed at the end of time. 
is so small compared to the reward of being co-heirs with Christ in his kingdom. It's so small compared to living life eternal with him. And so this morning, brethren, I want to encourage us with these words. In the book of Luke again. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Anyone who hears the word of God and listens and follow him is compared to a house that is built on a solid rock. We have a song we usually sing. The wise man builds his house upon the rock. The wise man builds um, the rain will come and the, the rain comes down and the flood goes up. But the house what? Stands. And when the foolish man builds his house upon the sand, and when the rain came down, and the flood went up, what happened? Smashed. I trust us all want to be wise men. Want to be people of wisdom. Want to continue to Take very seriously the cost of following Christ. This morning, Wayne graciously chose a song for us to close. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It is my prayer that the Lord grants us some understanding of his words. And may God bless us all. Shall we rise as we take the closing hymn?